Is Garrett Cooper an everyday player for the Marlins in 2023? He should be. He was an all-star in 2022. Sean Barrett is with me, and we are going to dig into the numbers on Garrett Cooper and look ahead to 2023 and what his role could be for the Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins, your daily Marlins podcast with me, Peter Pratt. Happy November, guys. Happy 1st of November. Tuesday's episode dropping for you. And of course, I'm your host, Peter Pratt at Miami Marlins underscore UK on Twitter. If you are looking to subscribe to the pod, they're available everywhere. Available everywhere. Wherever you get your pods, still five episodes per week, even into November. Yes, if you are listening and thinking... Maybe I could watch these guys on YouTube, too. I wish I wish they had a YouTube channel. We do. Get yourselves over there. As you will see, for those watching, you are being greeted with two living rooms of two UK coats. Sean Barrett is back in the back in back in the hot seat. Try and say that fast. And it is the Garrett Cooper episode. We have teased out for multiple weeks. Sean Barrett, excitement levels one to ten right now. Where are you at? Oh, it's got to be an 11, isn't it? For the... <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, I knew old, it. old people out there will get that, get that reference. Um, yeah, good to be back. Uh, second episode, uh, get into the swing of it again and, and uh, my favourite topic. So, uh, no doubt. You knew I had to come back. 100%. I spoke last week about Lewin Diaz in a little bit of detail. It was I was kind of sideways slightly because there was some other news dropping, a lot of news dropping last week. But spoke about Lewin Diaz. And, you know, there's some question marks there around Lewin uh, heading into into 23. Uh, I think those question marks do potentially bleed into Garrett Cooper and how it impacts him. But let's start right at the top, mate. In your opinion, Garrett Cooper, should he be an everyday player for the Marlins in 23? I mean, <laughs> did you even need to ask the question? 100%, 100% of whether that be at first base or at TH. Mm. Or cycling through it a lot like he did the, the previous year. Now Garrett Cooper when on the field is, is definitely the second best bat in this organization. And mm. I would at times argue when he's really hot, no, number one. Yeah. Garrett Cooper as a hitter. How well, the numbers tell us one thing, the high level numbers anyway. And but more broadly, what is Garrett Cooper now from a hitting perspective? Who is he as a hitter? He's he's an odd one, isn't it? Because a lot of people look at you know the old traditional numbers. How many home runs did you have? How many RBI? Yeah. What's your batting average? Coop is a guy that, to me, is what you'd call a professional hitter. So you hear even some of the, the biggest home run hitters of, of all time talk about the idea if you never try to hit a home run, try and hit a double up the middle, and every now and then, they they leave the park. That's yeah. what Coop is in my eyes. Mm. He's a, a gap hitting doubles hitter who will, when the you know when the time is right, that will leave the park. And that's how he ends up consistently in my eyes putting up numbers. You don't see many hot or cold streaks from him, although the second half was a little bit ropey. But we'll mm. get into that, I'm sure. 
when he's right, when he's healthy, he always delivers. He always puts up numbers. They're not they're not gaudy home run numbers. I get that, but mm. when you're playing a game of baseball, those numbers score runs. Those numbers create wins. You know the the forty fifty home runs. Yes, obviously that's fantastic, and that's what people you know around the league will see. But for me, Coop is a gamer is probably a good way of putting it. No, the funny thing is in the modern the modern day, the way to assess players, like you said, there's a couple of ways to do that. I would say, and you see this a lot. First one is you know for Coop, he's he's playing first base or he's DHing. So the first thing you do is. How many home runs has he hit? Start there. You know what I mean? Like the crudest metric. How many home runs has he hit? Oh, okay. You then cycle on to another metric. What's his war like? That's another one. It's always going to be a struggle for Coop because, you know, all the defensive stuff filters in. And, you know, if you're DHing or you're first basing, you're just not getting the war accumulation, perhaps, that the other positions do. So that's probably not the best idea in terms of evaluating Cooper. The other one is heading over to Baseball Savant and looking at their very visual uh, view of a player. And what I must say is when you head to Garrett Cooper's uh, page and profile, to me, it is light. It is lit up, lit up beautifully. Looks to me, you'd be like, yeah, I want that guy on my team. I want, I want that guy. He looks like a good hitter. And that's the funny thing, right? You just look through a few different lenses and... You know, it depends which lens you want to look through. But for me, a lot of people on Twitter particularly, you get all these baseball savant profiles knocking around. Who's good? Who's not? I mean, I was looking. Who was I looking at last week? I can't even recall. Um, I think it was Joey Wendell's. Brian Anderson's. It was Brian Anderson's. And it looked identical as well to um, to Escobar's in the Mets. But anyway, Coops is, it looks, he just looks like a hitter. He looks like a gamer, like you said. Okay, there's not the home run power. Is that a problem, though? Is is his lack of home run production? Because I don't want to say power, because there is power there. But the home run actual production is that a problem for the Marlins there at that first base DH spot to only be delivering, you know, mediocre numbers um, home run wise? Well, at least in 2022, it feels like the power stepped backwards. But just before we kind of ask why, is that a problem for the fish there? I mean, historically, no. I think we talked about the the. The power outlet that they're getting at third base and first base isn't much better. For me, the the old traditional or you need power from your first baseman, I get it. I do get it. It does mm. make sense. But yeah. you know, you talked yeah, you talked about the numbers and the one I I do like to use um, on here anyway, specifically is WRC plus because it's a nice, easy number for you to understand. Hundred is average, so if you're better than that, then you're better than average. And WRC plus is basically an offensive. What do you do with the bat and what do you do with your legs? Now, she doesn't do much, if anything, with his legs. That's all coming at this is is you know what he does at the play. The war number, you're right. First base, just because you're starting off at a negative, and then you've got to be so good. That I think there was. Well, I don't think there was a single first base only guy that had defensive war numbers that were positive go into their war number. So anyone that's DH first base only is going to have a low war number. Playing time, Coop didn't get enough playing time last year, and that's not the organisation's fault. He just couldn't stay on the field, which is, mm. again, 
another knock on him, obviously. Yeah. But to me, the number that he will be at financially in arbitration, it is a case of the Marlins would be insane in my eyes to think that that isn't worth putting into the lineup every day. Yeah, fair point. I wanted to just shine a light on WRC Plus as well. Um, the WRC Plus leader for the Marlins is no longer with the organization uh, in 2022 anyway. Yes, it was a small sample size, nevertheless. But Joe Dunand was the leader. <laughs> 197 WRC Plus. However, the actual you know guys have had significant playing time. Jazz Chisholm with a 139. Coop, second on the list, as you mentioned. Coop basically has been the Marlins' second-best hitter last year. Um, there's quite a significant gap between Jazz and Coop. Jazz was voted in and a starter as an All-Star. Coop also an All-Star as well. And so, you know, do we, uh, just to kind of then round that off, there's only three guys that were then 100 or more. Charles LeBlanc with a 107. Brian De La Cruz with the 104. And then Nick Fortes exactly on 100 uh, WRC+. plus. So, you know, from a Marlins perspective, we have not... It wasn't a great offensive season, so it's no shock that the numbers are way down. But WRC plus backs it up. Baseball Savant backs it up. Um, what Marlins Twitter, when you put it out to them and ask this question, they all want to move on from Coop. They're all done with Coop. Is it is it familiarity bias? Is it just he's been around too long? Or is the problem here, Sean, the thing you alluded to there, it's the health concerns, right? It's hard to trust Coop. Um, it, it's, it's almost impossible to trust Coop to be available for a full 162 based on the history. And is that the knock here on, on Coop, really? It's just trying to stay on the field. The DH is clearly now there, which actually I think has helped. Um, again, he's just unlucky with these hand injuries, it seems, which are freak injuries in many senses. But does he also need to consider getting the hand guard on there? You know what I mean? Trying to protect himself um, from these balls, like 100-mile-an-hour pitches in other hands that just break his hand in two. Um, but is that the main knock, though? It's the health problems with Coop. Of course it is. I mean, yeah, maybe you need to speak to Acuna and say, you know, can I get your can I get your guy's number of all the protection that you wear? <laughs> um, yeah, the DH is there. Interestingly enough, the Marlins, you know, he played more at first base than he did at DH this year. Mm, yeah. 59 games at first base and 56 um, at DH. So that's that's another little wrinkle. But obviously when you've got a guy like Solaire, you know, in the, in the lineup, he needs to be in the DH spot really, because defensively, again, that's a that's a net negative for the team. So yeah, he does need to stay on the field. But for me, it is tough to try and explain to people just how good he is when he is on the field, because people do just take that general number at the end of the year and say that. So one thing I do want to mention, and yes, I'm going to go into some small sample sizes, but bear with me. From the 20th of May to the 1st of July, so just over five weeks, he had a 189 WRC+. plus. That makes him the sixth best hitter in baseball over that period of time. That's what Coop does all the time. I could, I could reel off many more. The final 17 games of the season, 170 yeah. WRC+. plus. Mm. That was in the top 20 of, of players at that time. When Coop's on the field and when Coop's right, he is 
one of the best players in baseball. And I did this last year as well, and he had a better yeah. season last year on the podcast. I was talking about over you know months of periods of times he was in the top five, top ten, top fifteen hitters over those periods of time. That's what Coop does when he's on the field. He absolutely rates. And the weird thing with that is when you look at small sample sizes, and you can do it with anyone, when a guy's red hot, you look at his BABIP and it's massive because he's getting lucky. Mm. But Coop has a oddly high BABIP, like really weird high BABIP for his career. And it's not because he's speeding. Because normally when a guy's got a high BABIP, it's because they're beating out the infield singles. Coop is never going to beat out an inside <laughs> single. So where's that coming from? And it's his line drive rate. So when you look at Babbitt, fly ball and ground ball has got a low Babbitt because when you hit a fly ball and it goes out of the, of the park, it's not a ball in play. Mm. So normally, balls in play, fly balls, they're outs. Ground balls, yeah. the same, especially with the defences nowadays. Line drives is the one way to absolutely ensure yourself of getting a hit nowadays. It's something like seven, eight hundred batting average off a line drive. Coop is third best in baseball last year with a 26.3% line drive rate. That's what wow. Coop does. That's how he gets as many doubles as he gets. That's how he gets as high of, a, of an average as he gets is through those line drives. And and to me, again, talking about being a game and talking about you know those under-the-radar numbers that people just don't look at because it's all to do with home run, RBI, batting average, war, whatever you want to use. Coop is, when he's on the field, in a real baseball sense, as far as winning games, scoring runs, if the, if the Marlins had nine Garrett Coopers, then, you know, I'd be very excited, personally. But <laughs> you definitely would. It would, be, it would absolutely be a winning offence. Um, I think Coop, when he's on the field, can be the number, he can carry the team. Yeah, and he did for a little while when without Jazz. He can be one of those premier bats. The problem the Marlins have isn't that Garrett Cooper can't stay on the field, although that is a problem. It's mm. that he's their second best hitter, and you need more bat. You need more bats, and I don't think taking Coop out of the lineup improves the team because no. if you're going to add bats to the lineup, there are other places to do that. You don't add a bat where you've already got a bat that's good. Yeah, fair point. I mean, if last season's anything to go by, catcher was sorted. Nicky Fortes is him. Nicky Fortes can do a job. Jazz Chisholm, we know. De La Cruz, listen, De La Cruz, he's an above average, slightly above average bat last year. And then you've got Coop. The problem you've got is... You then go and look at where Avi Garcia and all the other dudes are, and they're way down, and they're dragging it. I think that's a really good point to call out, though, Sean, because, yes, Marlins Twitter is, you know, we're in the offseason now. We're looking ahead. We need more offense. But the point you're making is so valid. It, if you replace Coop, you're taking your second-best dude out, and that's not, you know, you're going to end up balancing it out. It's You need to look at those other areas where there's been a lack of production, and that's where we need to strengthen. I mean, I was talking about third base the other day. I mean, Brian Anderson, you know, with a 90 um, WRC+, plus, so not terrible. Joey Wendell, 87 WRC+, plus. you know, Groshans, 80 WRC+. Like, they're all b below average. Bertie at 93 as well, so they're all kind of hovering, but, like, 
You know, Miggy Rowe at 73. Um, Lewin Diaz at 45. Boy, oh boy, talked about him the other day. Like, that's just not sustainable, right? Um, and maybe that is where they look to upgrade. They do upgrade at first base, but to pair with Coop and to kind of cycle around um, because the Marlins have to acknowledge they need a plan B with Garrett Cooper. They have to have a plan B. They need a guy that can deliver Coop numbers for half a season, at least because in all likelihood, Coop's going to spend some time missing. And that's the thing is the Marlins need a plan for that. They can't just have a 1-11, to using a football phrase, that's amazing and not expect any injuries. They need plan Bs to be able to keep the momentum going when some of these guys get out of there. i got to do the ad. Then, Sean, I wanted to ask you as well about what the future holds for Coop. Final arbitration year. So I want us to think about that. I also wanted to throw it over to you to dig out some of your favorite other statistical elements of Garrett Cooper. You've talked about the high line drive percentage. Third in baseball is insane. That's at the heart of it. But what else are we missing? What other numbers should we be looking at with Garrett Cooper at the pop? Before we do that, guys, reminder, this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online. Yes, you can see the graphics and they are sexy in BetOnline.net. It's just as sexy. It's your number one source for betting. It includes football, start of the basketball season, plus the World Series, of course. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, Bet Online. It remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information. They've got live betting, of course they have, and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your games, events, and includes, of course, the World Series, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Sean, let's start with Coop here. Final year of arbitration. The Marlins will pick that up. They will seek a deal. Do the Marlins... At some point, that could be now. It could be this offseason. It may be next at some point. Do they look to extend Garrett Cooper? That's, that is a, a tougher question, isn't it? It is a case mm. of, I think, if he can... I mean, again, it is a case of if he can stay on the field. I mean, he had over 450 play appearances last year, so let's call out that he, he didn't miss an awful no. lot of time. And, and there were... Period of time where he, you know, there were a couple of hit by pitches and a couple of sort of dings and dents wasn't there, but he was always back on the field real soon. Yeah, uh, he didn't play well over that period of time, but you don't expect him to. You don't expect any person to play at full capacity when they're dinged up. So, I think it is a case if he can stay on the field and if he can, and he will. If, if when he's on the field, he always delivers. I've got no fear of that at all. It is a case of can they trust him? And not only that, what's that number look like? I think if you can build in that risk by having, because it'll be a free agent year, and free agent you know years are for an above average player, because he is, that's how the numbers will read, that's how the contract will have to, to pay him. You know, what does that number look like? If they can build in a bit of that risk with that number and, and get, when he's on the field, a middle of the lineup. Not necessarily you, you clean the pit up, but the middle of the lineup back, mm. and, and we're not just talking for the Marlins because <laughs> sometimes they, they piece together from pretty bad lineups. This is a major league middle of the order bat when he's on the field. If they can get that for anything lower than than the the league average that that, that you would get for that, that's a Marlin move. Coop, Coop to me is when you look at the Rays or when you look at the Cardinals, when you look at these really good organisations and you go, or the Giants, a really good example in the last couple of years, 
with Donovan Solano. Uh, that took me by surprise. I've said that a few times on the podcast. Where on earth did he come from? Because I know yeah. what he was like when he was with the Marlins. But he's the type of player that you look at their lineup and you go, ah, it's not a big name, but they always consistently win with these weird lineups. And Coop's that kind of guy for me. So I think extending him to a below market value because he isn't that household name, because he hasn't got those gaudy numbers, but put him on the field when he's healthy, he's going to put up numbers that help a team win. And if you can get that for value, I don't see why you don't do that. Makes a ton of sense. It's just one of them. It's over familiarity with Coop. You know, we just assume he doesn't play. He doesn't hit any home runs. There's not enough power. Etc. Etc. But if you take time to step back, look at it, and dwell on it, you realize Coop has been a big part of the Marlins' uh, offense for years. He's as consistent as anyone, the most consistent hitter, I'd say. Like WRC plus, consistently over 100. Like he's consistently an above average stick. The Marlins can't say that about anyone else. Not one other player. Granted, Jazz Chisholm had a stunning half a season. He did. But no one has the consistency of Garrett Cooper. They don't. And the Marlins can't afford to just discard these dudes. If they can get a deal done with Coop, like you said, Sean, if they can get a deal done for a multi-year deal, seemingly below market value, and the question is, is what is Coop's value? Some teams, some organizations, some fan bases will look at it like, come on, Garrett Cooper, are you for real? other smarter organizations like probably the Rays or the Guardians maybe or Giants they'd plug and play and he'd probably be in the postseason I would say with them but okay I'm with you on that I think the Marlins should look to do something there's no reason why they couldn't do it now to be honest with you and you know, buy out this arbitration year and start to consider what the future should hold it's going to be a storyline you know for the next 12 months on Coop what else do you dig into from Cooper from the numbers perspective? You already touched on the line drive percentage being super, super high. What else is it statistically that we see from Coop that makes him this above average stick? So, so another thing that really helps a player with with getting consistent hitting, other than the line drive, is is the batted ball. You look at the batted ball numbers; they're they're really good in the sense of the pull hitting up the middle and hitting oppo. He is, he spreads it about. He can hit it up the middle. He can hit it oppo. So he is a player who can, you know, if you're pulling too much, then you're going to get shifted. And I know that shift is going, but still, mm. pulling the ball, unless it's hitting out of the park, is, is usually a way of having a low average. So Coop has the ability to hit to all fields. We've brought up the power, and I've explained why specifically the power might not necessarily need to be that high for him to be productive. But one thing to factor in is his home run to fly ratio. Mm. So normally a guy's home run to fly ratio is going to stay pretty consistent, and any time it goes down, it means he's been unlucky, and any time it goes up, you, you, you expect it to come back down to his major league averages. Last couple of years, home run to fly ratio was 22. 5 in 21, then 24% and 23% in 2019. This year, 10%. So well, well under half his league, well, his career average. Why is that? Because he was dinged up. It is a case of he was playing hurt, you know, wrist injuries and things like that. He's just probably, 
I think if Coop can get it consistent, and we saw it in the first half this year, we saw it for large periods of time the year before, it is a case of, I think, the power hasn't gone away from Coop. The, the swing hasn't changed. The approach hasn't changed. Nothing about Coop changed between the first half and the second half, in my eyes. The only thing that did change is a little bit of luck, or unluckiness, in the home run to fly ratio, and also the fact that that does impact him massively because it, it impacts him across the whole of his playing. You know, that those injuries really did set him back. The thing that really excites me the most about Coop is what I said earlier about the last 17 games when he was evidently back on it, back healthy. If, if the season was even longer, I know you probably don't want that, Pete, but if, if the season was even longer, his numbers would have looked a lot better. But it speaks for me that Coop is so, he's so consistent when he's on the field. It's such a shame that he's inconsistent on being on the field. Well put. Are there any other are there any other red flags that you think of here and you think in this profile here with Coop? Like is there anything that's trending in the wrong direction you would say other than like you know that that home run to fly drop off is so stark and so you know compared to the other body of work that he's done over the years. But is there anything else you've spotted do you think oh boy this this is maybe trending in the wrong direction? No, I, I think he. If you look at his numbers, everything is just bang on his career. The K's aren't growing. His K's are a little bit high, sort of twenty five, twenty six percent for his career. So he does have a bit of swinging missing him. But overall, he is to me, he is a complete package as far as a a guy that's going to hit a lot of doubles. He's going to fall into if healthy, he could fall into twenty twenty five home runs. Defense at first is. Okay, I mean, it's never going to be, you know, those numbers are never going to create a massive value for him as far as this war. But when you're watching the game, when he's on the field, first base defense isn't too bad. Would I prefer to see him play more games at DH next year than first base? Especially as it is going to be his age 32 season and he is a player that's historically struggled, yes. But for the Marlins to be able to do that, they need to have the bats in the lineup. You know, can you put Soler in the field? Probably not. So no. him and Cooper are probably going to share the DH role. So I'd like to see that be a nice split of, you know, 75-75, and then Coop plays some at first, and Soler, you fit him into the corners from time to time. Yeah. Um, but no, Coop is, he is Mr. Consistent. He really has been. That's, that's just what we see. When you look at Coop, the profile looks good. Um, the production... Is there if he's on the field? He's a good player, and you know it's it's a stretch. Like I'm not saying and making a direct comp to like a Freddie Freeman, but like and I appreciate Freddie's been one hell of a player and is still one hell of a player. But like that's the kind of profile in some ways that you get with Coop. It's Freeman light. Like I mean, Freeman's sensational, and I'm not saying he's in that level, but you know, Freeman is a gap hitter too. Is my sense. He's never the big bobber at first. First base, he never has been the kind of bot true that you see, and that's always where my head's been with with Coop. Is like it's it's a right-handed, you know, Freeman light, um, and we should embrace that. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I think we just get a little bit caught up in you have to hit 30 home runs plus at, at first base because that's what history tells you. Um, but I don't think I, I think 
you know, we can find the power elsewhere. The, the key bit for me is, what's your plan B? Coop's consistent when he's on the field, and you can lock him into the two or three hole for me. The, the way I see, see things shaping up here, like lineup-wise, is you need to go and get a prototypical center fielder. We've spoken about this already, Sean. Get him in the leadoff spot. Jazz Chisholm wants to hit in the two hole. If Jazz wants to hit there, carry on. Coop in the three spot, and then you need some serious power production at four and five, like bombs away dudes. You know, basically Solaire and Avi, but performing. It sounds like we're going to run it back. <laughs> it sounds like we're running this bad boy back. But, you know, that's where I think this lineup shapes. Then you've got Nick Fortes doing his thing. Maybe you've got Miggy Rowe in the nine hole, just like, because they want the glove at short. And then you can maybe piece in together, you know, the other corner spot plus third base. Like, there's some balance. There is on paper some balance here with this Marlins lineup. Like, if you piece it together in that way, prototypical leadoff, jazz doing his thing, Coop then in the three spot, or you flip them dudes, uh, whatever you want to do, and then you've got the bombs away brigade at four and five, six. I'm all for that. Um, is my Freddie Freeman, Garrett Cooper comp way off the mark, by the way? Um, I'm I'm going to disagree a little bit. I'm sure people listening will disagree a lot. Um, <laughs> Freddie does, I mean, so if you look at Freddie's ISO numbers, so that's, that's isolating the power, essentially. There is more power in, in Freddie Freeman's um, in in his bat. You know he's he's been so consistent. And he's he's played so many games for so many years, and he's put up mm-hmm. numbers consistently. Coop, I think Coop has that that ability. I think if you look at as far as approach, as far as hitting line drives, as far as hitting across the the field, uh, and being, I think they are very they are similar. Maybe not very similar, mm-hmm. but yeah, no. They, I think they are. There is some comparison points there. The results, obviously, you know, you're looking at a player with 39 home runs in Garrett Cooper, and I'm sure Freddie Freeman hit 39 in in one single year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're similar in approach, but the numbers just don't back that up. And and for me, that's a shame because. I'm going to say this for, until his career finishes, and probably for many years beyond that, when Coop's on the field, and if he could have got consistent years with 500 at-bats per season, we'd be having a completely different conversation. It's a good time to end it, to say, Sean. 30 minutes on Garrett Cooper. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm convinced, by the way. I... I was wavering. I have to be honest. I threw it out to Marlon's Twitter too. You know, should we be sticking with Garrett Cooper? Lock Coop into the first base spot. No problem at all. Make sure there's a backup. Not Lewin Diaz, probably. There has to be a backup for when Coop misses time or when he needs to slide into the DH spot. So the Marlins still have to address first base. But to your point here, Coop at first base, he's an above average stick. And the Marlins don't have many of them already, so we have to stick with it. One final one. What's the defense like? What's the glove like for Coop? Like, is it is it okay at first base? Are the numbers saying it's okay? Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers are always difficult because the way it works is the, the lesser defensive positions, so DH specifically, um, and first base and left field, you start at a negative number and then you by being elite at a position, you, you work your way back to zero. Mm. And as I said, no first baseman has, has actually made it apart above that. In fact, the one of the highest defensive values, and it was a plus 
for first baseman was actually Miguel Rojas in the short period of time he played there. So he technically you could describe as being the best defensive first baseman inside the organisation, which is a little bit weird, especially well talking about first baseman without power. Miguel Rojas would certainly uh, fit that. No, I think the defence is okay. I think when you're looking at first base defence, the numbers are never going to pop off the screen. No, You can only really judge it by your eyes. And to me, Coop is an okay to good first base uh, glove. You, you you see it when you see it different, don't you? You know when Lewin's on first base, it looks really good. Aggie, I think, was probably the worst of the three that we saw last year, in my mind. Um, but there are some good first basemen out there, and when you see them play, um, you can see it. But the numbers are always going to be negative. Coop is fine. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna hurt you at first base. He's gonna make a couple of exceptional plays from time to time. And he did. Um, you know, I, I saw a few last year. But yeah. no, when it comes to first baseman defense, I don't really care about. We also know when it looks terrible. And watching the World Series, what's clear to me is Reese Hoskins is absolutely terrible at first base. The amount of booted balls and just straight up drops, like it's like his glove. He thinks he thinks he's fielding with Stallings' glove on, and he isn't. He's got a first base glove, not the catcher's mitt. There, to your point, you know, it's not overly relevant as long as it's okay. And Coop's certainly okay, at least. Like you said, when you see Lewin, it looks and feels different. But unfortunately, when you look at Lewin's numbers, um, they look very different to what Coop delivers. Um, that has been a lot of fun. Thank you to Sean Barrett for shining a light on Coop. And it's important that we don't take him for granted. I think that's the key thing. I've enjoyed that a lot. Um, thanks to everyone joining the show on the 1st of November, Tuesday, and uh, making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. Here's the good news, guys. Wednesday is tomorrow, and we're back. Back tomorrow. Um, like I've said, working on some Craig Mish scheduling. We hope to have him in um, to really dig into some of these details because the Marlins have been super, super active in the past couple of weeks with all of these hires all of which have been received really positively. So we're going to dig into that with Craig and also start to look ahead about what the Marlins need to do on the field to give all of these new hires the opportunity to have a successful Major League Club in 23. Thanks for everyone for joining. It's Peter Pratt, Sean Barrett, signing out. Be back tomorrow.